What's going on, guys? It is Caleb checking in with you guys all again. Welcome back, and I appreciate you for joining me for another edition of the Malaga Drive Hoops podcast. I just wanted to quickly uh, run through this episode before we jump in. So Sarge hopped on Zoom with me, and we discussed the Western Conference playoff outlook Um last week and again you know it's not just you know championship contenders and things of that nature we really try to go through one through ten where things were um and even try to deep dive into some of these playoff series as well first round playoff series as well um but i will say this was recorded last week on tuesday so obviously as we're sitting here on tuesday the following week uh uh, things have shifted a little bit i'd say still 99 percent of what we said um still remains and and it's actually interesting a lot of the conversations we've we we had on this podcast we've seen some developments in since um but i just wanted to give you guys a heads up you know especially when in regards to the lakers you know at at the time of recording lebron was still out indefinitely we didn't really know what was going on And, and since then he's come back and then been ruled out again ad's look bad you know, Lakers fans are, are completely panicking in it. And there's some some validity to their panic. Um, but at the same time, you know, I I, I really think, and, and again, we'll, we'll talk about it more later, but I really think um, a lot of their issues right now are, are just purely rhythm issues with LeBron and AD. You, you, you see these guys, these guys are playing at the highest level, and it, it's hard even for someone like LeBron and AD to have missed you know, in, in AD's case, three months, in LeBron's case, you know, a month plus, and just come back and, and have the, even if your body's healthy, like there's a rhythm to the game um, that takes time. You've seen it with plenty of guys this year. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up. You know, like we, we are uh, aware of what's happened with the Lakers. This was just recorded a little bit before. Um, but again, I appreciate you guys uh, spending some time with me, hanging out. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. Have a great week. Stay blessed up, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah. All right, bro. We are live. I uh, got my buddy Sarge on a Tuesday night. It's It's been a lot of pods lately, but I love it. It's 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 really that time of the season, uh, four weeks out from the playoffs. Today, Sarge and I are going to – we actually tried to get this done a couple of days ago um, with a whole playoff preview type of podcast. And Anchor is just having issues, but found a new way. Thank you, actually, bro, for showing me. This is huge. Um, But found a new way to record that should be much better for the audio and just overall flow for the podcast. Um, And so today we're going to break down specifically the Western Conference. Uh, We'll set the stage right now, one through 10, where everyone's at, where we feel, you know, teams might end up. And then just look ahead to how we see the playoffs progressing. Because, again, I... I don't know if it's just the Warriors are on my mind, but I, I, there really hasn't been a time for me where there's legitimately four or five, maybe four, you go four, but four in the West that they have a chance. Like they have a shot. Whereas in the past, we, we knew last year, even Lakers, Lakers or Clippers. Um, and so I'm excited for that. But first things first, um, I don't want to talk about the Warriors yet. I was watching the Timberwolves, though, and Anthony Edwards is going to be so good, bro. He's going to be so good. Have you had a chance to just – I know it's the Timberwolves, but have you had a chance to watch them lately? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I've had the opportunity to watch him, and I think him and Carl Anthony Towns are actually a pretty fun one-two punch. And I, I think when they get Malik Beasley, and when they get Malik Beasley back too, like Malik Beasley's not any like crazy. He's never going to be like I don't think all-star level, but like he's a good defender and just like a good role player for those two. So they'll be fun to watch. And then Anthony Edwards is kind of just like a, a funny guy too. It'll be interesting to see like if they ever get good enough to where like you know, they're in the playoffs and they're fighting what his attitude is like, because he's such like a, a fun, like just doesn't he's really so care real about anything honest. guy. Yeah. Like I feel like he'll but, say exactly where he's at. Every you time. never hear him talk about like the actual game about like him, like it's just viral stuff about. So I'm just interested to see like, you know, his mentality and, and you, you got to know that he works hard. He's just, in that stage right now that where he's, he's really inefficient. Right. So he'll have these games where he looks unbelievable. And then he'll have these other games um, where he's just super inefficient and taking a ton of shots and missing a ton of shots, but that's what young guys do. And the great yeah. thing about the, the T wolves is they said, we are not going to rest these guys. Um, yeah. And take games. Like that. these guys are going to get some time to develop. And I mean, that's what you want to hear. Uh, yeah. But I will say what's interesting, but what, what is interesting about the T wolves if they don't get a top three pick this year, it's going to the Warriors. No, I know. So there's so, a million things to unpack here. I want to go back. Well, first off, I love that you brought up the uh, not resting because I've been talking about it on my pod recently. I'm watching the T-Wolves. And I'm like, dude, they're, they're kind of hooping. And you see right now at this stage of the NBA with so many guys resting. And it, again, I've, we've listened to these guys. It's a grind. Like some of, they need some of this rest before we go. But the T-Wolves like, they have a new front office. They have a new head coach. Like they need this. Like this is valuable data for them to see like, all right, where are we at? And I've been watching them lately and they're, they're getting this kind of balance going one cat. I know he, I mean, he hasn't won anything of late you ever really, but you've seen that with a lot of young talented guys. He's really fucking good, bro. He is really good. Like it, he's not Jokic. But you see similar like ways in which he can dominate the game with even maybe a little bit more focus on scoring than passing. But he gets it top of the key, and you have to be up on him or he'll launch. And if if you're a five and you're up on him, he's probably going to go by you. So I, I'm excited to see his development and just like I, I I really hope for the sake of the NBA and for him that he can kind of get this T Wolves team on an upward at least i'm not even asking necessarily for the playoff run or anything just on an upward trajectory and him and ant have been ant just he draws fouls like like a five-year pro because the body and just his smarts he makes shots that you're like wow not very many people can make it so like you said yeah there's going to be inconsistent nights but the fact that he's doing some of these things even on one night just goes to show you, like, if he continues to put the work in like that. I mean, he, he legitimately, I could see him being a top 10 player. He, he kind of, yeah, he kind of reminds me of Donovan Mitchell in a way. Like, they're, they're oh, kind of different players. But it, it, in, in the beginning of Donovan Mitchell's career, you'd have these games where he'd blow up and go, like, 15 for 23 from the field or something like that. And then we'll have these other games where he shoots three for 21. But, like, there's still create, like one highlight in the game where he just dunks all over someone. And I think Anthony Edwards is even more athletic, and he's a bigger frame and taller. Um, it okay. just seems like the way they, he they plays. They're, they're probably similar in height, though. They, but they just he plays, like, a little bit bigger. Way. Yeah. Yes. They, they, I know, like, exact similar way, and I think you can see a bet. 
I mean, it's early, but a better Donovan Mitchell and a guy like, like Anthony Edwards. So it's just exciting to think, all right, if you have that and you have what you got over there with Carl Anthony Towns, like, okay, you got to feel pretty good. Let's just build around him. I don't know if D'Lo was the move. And again, I do like Malik too. That That's an interesting fit, but you at least have to feel good about that talent. And then I'm a Warriors fan, so I've been very vested in what's going on there too. And it's it's a weird spot where it's like, I mean, this dives into a deeper question about, you know, for us, I, I feel like we have a generational talent in Steph. We have Clay coming back next year. And and you know how I feel about Draymond and what he brings to a game. He's on just so smart. Like, why are we not optimizing this time? So for me, I would love to be able to deal that pick. I wonder if it has more value next year, but you, you could see them being like decent next year. Like I'd rather it be for this year than for next year or. And the thing about, dude, the, the thing about picks too, is like, they could go out and get, you know, they could have the, the eighth worst record or they could have the second worst record and it's still, they could get the first pick or they could get the fifth pick. It it really like, it is a little random nowadays. And And you've seen it when, when, when the Pelicans got Zion in that draft, like, they weren't yeah, they supposed, were not supposed to get to. a high pick, and, yeah. and it just happened. So I think they're kind of playing it as if, like, yo, we're going to develop our guys, and if something happens with that pick, it's kind of out of our control. And I think that's how 100%. I think you're going to see a lot of shit on Twitter. Oh, what a stupid franchise, like, tank. Like, I honestly think this is the better way to go about it. Like, play the game the right way. Play your fucking best players. There's 30 teams in the NBA. Like, play your best players. See what you got and live with what happens. And worst case, we get it this year, and they got their pick next year. So I mean, and and and, and there's another team in the in the Thunder who are in pretty similar situations, but they're doing the exact opposite. So you can look, you know, I, obviously the Timberwolves have the better stars but right they now. Started but... at least like they got to look at that group, and it was good, almost too good, like early yeah. on. So they're like, All right, we got to chill. But yeah, it, it's it, they just did it in opposite times of the season. Although the Seawolves still have a long way to go. But yeah, um, I I have Thunder under 22 and a half wins, bro. And it was looking really bad. And then and then all of a sudden I got a shot and then they go and beat the Celtics tonight. I got one more win I can have and I'm good. And they're going to be underdogs in like every single game the rest of the way. So we'll see. They're going to be like 10 point at underdogs. Dude, I know. I know. I I need them to only win one in 10, which is reasonable. I think I can. I think I can get that. All right, that's enough Timberwolves and uh, Thunder talk. I, I don't really it, – it's just – it's disappointing. And and we have not shown up in too many games this year. Like, it's just I'm, – I'm excited. I think we have a shot if we get to the plan. And, and we'll just start with that. I think we have a shot if we get to a play-in. But, like, it – shit like this just shouldn't happen. But it has happened so much that, to me, I'm like, I'm not even mad anymore. Like I used to get furious. It, I, I just kind of like, all right, like, okay. Um, I mean, when, when I, when I watch Warriors games, I literally just think of you the whole time and like what you're thinking about when it's <laughs> happening. And I know like when Steph gets a, a couple of threes, you're just losing it, texting all your buddies. And then when something like this happens, you just shut the phone off <laughs> and put it to the side because I mean, this, this was awful. And I text you because Steph came out kind of hot. He hit like three threes and went to the line twice and made both free throws. And I was like, this is going to be a Steph night. And then they just immediately started double teaming him no, out, of the, out of the pick and roll. Call. And then just because I said, when you switch, 
a pick and roll with Steph Curry, you're going to have Dwight Powell or Willie Cauley-Stein. And they realize that right off the bat. But my you can't issue, do that. My issue, too, is I don't know if you saw the end of the first. And I, I don't know if this is more Steph or more Kerr. I would lean more Kerr. I don't know for sure. Nikola Jokic, and you heard the comment about Jim Jackson, Nikola Jokic, or Joe Embiid. And he says that, and it's it's because they get the ball on every possession. If there are eight straight possessions where you get a dumbass shot, they get the ball and you run it through them. Steve Kershaw has to flying around. And like you said, okay, I think part of that is they're going to just bring a double. But okay, they bring a double and we'll at least play four on three from there. Sure, there's times they'll get a trap, but it's like I just don't understand what the reluctance is at times from Kerr to just say, dude, I get it. You want to run this equal opportunity offense, but that does not give us the best shot. It, well, it, it doesn't work when Draymond Green is a great decision maker, right? And then outside of him, awful yeah, decision makers. You have Kelly dude. Oubre and you have they Andrew do. Wiggins, who are your next two not stars, but like on the verge just are supposed to be like on the, verge, and they just make time after time, horrible decisions. I know it's the NBA. I know it's fast, but when you're hooping, you're going downhill. You have an idea of where your teammates are in, in case you need to pass. I know you were a point guard. You wonder when Kelly Oubre and sometimes Wiggins, mostly Kelly, but still Wiggins are driving. It's like they have one mind. And it doesn't matter how many guys are coming at them or how many, how bad the angles are, they're going to shoot. And it, it it's just so frustrating, bro. It is so frustrating. And, and their bet and your bench is just, Oh, it, I'm sorry. It just is, is horrible as well. So it just doesn't help. Like, you know, like some teams get away, like the Mavs, for example, like you have Dorian Finney Smith out there, Maxi Cleaver, you have a stud in Luca. And then off the bench, you got really good, you know, shot makers and playmakers and the Warriors just, just don't have yeah. that. It, and, and you'll see when everything goes bad, like, you know, teams have floors and ceilings. Most like our floor is when things go really, really bad, it's like disgusting. And you saw it tonight. You saw it in Toronto, Tampa Bay, Toronto. Um, but let's, let's talk about the good teams, the really good teams in the West right now, as things stand, the Utah Jazz are one. The Phoenix Suns are two, and they have the tiebreaker over the Jazz if they were able to get up there. But they also have the hardest schedule remaining of all these, mainly all the elite teams. Uh, Clippers are three. They have the tiebreaker over Phoenix. They have a pretty decently soft schedule. Nuggets are four. They got a little bit of room between them and the Lakers. It, most likely the Lakers are going to finish fifth. They're still a shot. Um, but that's probably where they're locked in. I think I saw somewhere it's like a 64-ish percent chance. Uh, then you got Dallas. Um, they hold the tiebreaker with the Lakers, but again, probably won't get there. You got the Blazers just free falling, uh, but they got the job done tonight. And then the Grizzlies at eight, they have a super easy schedule. Um, and they have the tiebreaker over the Blazers. Also, bro, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. There was a little static and I, I wasn't sure, but we're good. And then Spurs at nine, they have a filthy schedule left. It's going to be very, very tough for them. And then the, the Warriors that we just spent a lot of time talking about. So, um let's start with your lakers bro let's start with your lakers i think i think that's where we should go after going to the warriors let's go to the lakers for me a couple things for in your your best guess when is bron coming back 
I really don't know. I would say yeah. pr- if I had to guess, he would probably come back for like the second to last or third to last game and then play the last. I think that's kind of what we're doing and what he's kind of thinking. I think he's good to go. Like you've seen him in his videos. He's posting. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but there's workout videos and stuff. He can move around five. I literally just think they're being cautious and then they're going to want to play him the last three or two games of the season, just so they have a little bit of rhythm. Okay. But he, I, I mean, I agree. I, he, they're saying he's out indefinitely. That means there's no way he's coming back in the next Bro, probably two or three games. What keeps what keeps happening is people. I don't know if it's people close to Braun or pe- people keep saying, "Oh, he's pretty damn close. Like he's good." And then you keep seeing an actual report from the team come out later, like out indefinitely. So I agree. I think he's going to be a little bit, but I think just the way you talk, like when I'm listening to these coaches, uh, Vogel, Lou, all these coaches, Monty Williams, like. They really are valuing – they haven't practiced much this year. Like, they are really valuing these games as still just making these tinkers. And I think LeBron, I've heard him in the past talk about that importance. I think I think you could get him five, six games left. Um, for me, the other – and it's not the – in the grand scheme of things, you have LeBron and AD, things I think will be fine. But another storyline to me that's interesting uh, is the center rotation. Because last year in the playoffs, AD played 65% of the time at center. So you know that's probably what Vogel wants when things are in crunch, crunch time. But you have Harold, Marcus, and Andre Drummond. So, one, how do you feel about Drummond? Two, do you think there's any way that you're closing with AD at the four? I guess it's matchup dependent, but it's. So you look at the thing with the thing, the the thing with that rotation is AD wants to play. He loves playing the four. He's made it very clear that he'd much rather play the four than he would the five because he is obviously very injury prone. And if you play the five, you go down and you bang with big dudes. Right. So if you play the four, you have a little bit more jumpers. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And if, if you're playing the four, you know, you're guarding like a, I don't know if you're playing the Suns, Cam Johnson, obviously an extreme example, but it's but a Vogel lot. Likes in, the five. No, but that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Vogel is insistent on him playing the five because we are <laughs> a lot better with him playing the five. You are. You and, are. and Andre Drummond came in and did exactly what I think you and me both probably thought he was going to do. He's not really doing much. Just grabs rebounds, not a negative, really not really a positive. He's just kind of out there just doing Andre Drummond um, to a lesser extent. And um, I think if we do close at the five, it's going to be Marcus Gasol because I don't really see Andre Drummond or, or Montrez Harrell really bringing anything special to the floor um, other than like just pure grit. And we don't really need that. So I think if anything, we want the floor spacing with Marcus Gasol. And that's the only reason why, um, we would not close with with AD at the five. And, and I've seen it before. Vogel, for some reason, loves Marcus Gasol and loves playing him at the five. I was going to say, let's talk because Marcus Gasol gets a lot. I've heard a lot of shit. And I think Lakers fans, like, if they aren't seeing production, they're going to they're gonna give you shit. But Marcus Gasol is not going to produce in that sort of way that you want. Like, he can sp- he's shooting 39% for three. He, he won't shoot. But when he does... It's from three. He spaces the floor. He is not like when I say a good defender, half of the half of that battle is understanding like in real time when switches need to happen, when you need to cover or when you don't need to cover, not overplaying. 
And Marcus Soule's solid as hell there. And when you have LeBron and AD, you don't really need anyone to score. So I agree. What I think, I honestly think, and again, it could vary on the matchup. He's also huge. He's huge. Um, I, I, I like him at the five. And I want to shift our focus to, because it's most likely it's looking like you and the Nuggets. Dwight Howard for, you know, all the shit he gets, you know, how, the stupid stuff, quite frankly, the stupid shit he does sometimes. He did it like he did his job on Jokic. I'm just being annoying, getting in the way, just just making his life tougher. And we know Harold, we don't want to put Harold through that again. Um, I feel like Drummond could be effective in that way against Jokic if he's bought into doing that sort of Dwight Howard role. Yeah, and, and, and he's not going to be a guy that has to worry about fouls. So he can just go down there and foul yeah. Jokic three times in a row and just bang it. him up, exactly like what Dwight does. Because yeah. then we just bring in Harold or we bring in Marcus Gasol. So, I, I, yeah, I think for the – at least for the first round, you're going to see um, Andre Drummond start at the five because we're probably going to play the Nuggets. And I just – I don't think AD wants to guard Jokic. Like, he's just not going to want to do that. Like, he'll do it, but he – yeah. Like, and, and let's turn actually towards that series and just how you're feeling in general. Because, and look, end of the day, when LeBron and, and AD on the floor, you guys are plus 14 per 100 possessions. That's those two on the floor. No matter who's around them, you outscore your opponent on average this year, 14 every 100. I know they've missed some time. And it's weird. It, like, we're newer NBA fans. Like, we haven't been watching since the 19th. Like, we don't know how much, you know, be missing this much time is really, truly going to affect a team like this that was already good. But they are missing a lot of guys. So where are you at? I know you're not super high on them. I know you're not. But I mean, give me if, you just, you if you just looked at the way they've played in the last, you know, couple games without um, Jamal Murray and I guess now without Will Barton, I mean, they're still a really good basketball team that's very hard to beat. That's very well coached. Yeah. And I just don't think people realize how much of an impact Nikola Jokic has on winning that yeah. even with Jamal Murray off the court, I mean, you stick do I think, do I think that the Nuggets are going to beat us? No, I think they have a shot, even with no Jamal Murray. I just think it's very slim. And I wouldn't be surprised if they took us to seven games because, you know, you have LeBron James coming back and dude, Jokic is so good. And Michael, people don't talk about it. Michael Porter Jr. is really dang good. And if you look <laughs> at his percentages and yeah. the way he's been shooting the basketball, it's playing unbelievable. It's on the verge of being elite. Yeah. And, and, and I've told you this before, because we play a lot of DFS and, and we know, about on-off like splits and what happens when one guy and what the usage goes. Yeah. With, with Jamal Murray off the court, Michael Porter Jr. is a whole nother level of stud. And I, I just don't think we've seen that yet. And, and he's really come into a shell. The last couple of games, Michael Porter Jr. has been unbelievably efficient, taking great shots, and he's really dang good. No, um, and he's a I'm matchup with nightmare too with him playing the four. So I, have a question, I, I just – yeah. If Jamal Murray was healthy, what would you make a line hypothetically? What do you think the line would be? Jamal Murray was fully healthy. You guys are matched up. For, therefore, you're five. You're going to Denver four games. I, that's what do you mean? Really, what, what would the what? line be? Like, what would – like the series price, not in one game to win the series because they always do that. 
What would Lakers you would probably be minus 135, I would guess. Yeah, I'd say around there, minus 150, maybe. Um, but that's it. And the books aren't going to throw that respect around, like, without it being earned. And, and that just goes to show you that the way Nikola Jokic is playing the game of basketball right now, the way, like you said, Michael Porter Jr. is, and it sucks that Jamal Murray wants that. Like it, and, dude, the it, Denver it Nuggets have the best rack record in the last 15 games. For all teams, last 15 games, the Denver Nuggets have the best record. And, and we haven't even talked – I mean, I remember you texted me as that first game with AG, like, oh, my God, like, they look really good. And we haven't even talked about him. He's in your whole – Dude, what is going on with him? He's playing 20 minutes a game. I, I really do think that's just in preparation for the playoffs. I really think it's, bro, we're basically locked into four. Because you see, when guys are more tired, they're just more prone to getting hurt. So it's like, we're not going to – But why up. him? Why why not Michael Porter Jr.? Why not Jokic? Why because, is it him that – Because I think he's had like 7,000 injuries in the last six, seven months. Like literally. It, remember on the Magic, bro? His shit was always hurt. Yeah. And because the reason I say this too is when he's on the sidelines, I don't know how if you've watched any of their games, but he's always getting checked out by the medical staff when he's on yeah. the sidelines. It's the weirdest thing. So like for me, I tweeted this out. I'm like, what is going on with Aaron Gordon? I just don't know. Cause usually when it's something like that, you see Aaron Gordon questionable going into every game or Aaron Gordon going to the locker room, but it never happens. It's literally yeah. just every time he goes out, he plays 20, 20 to 26 minutes. And he's getting checked out by medical personnel every game. So I'm just curious as if to, he's, okay. he's healthy because he's a huge X factor. I'm and we will, haven't really seen him play. Yeah, no, I really do. I would be, I would say I'd be surprised if game one of the first game of the playoffs, he's not at 30, 32, at least. And that guy's from San Jose. That guy is a freak. Like that guy is a absolute freak. I think they're just being very cautious. And 100% he's an X-Factor. So I'm so excited to see this series, even, again, without Jamal. It's, it's, it's sad. And I think, I think back to your point, I think they'll feel his absence more in the playoffs than the regular season. Because in the playoffs, when the game slows down, you, you know they're going to that Jamal Murray yoke pick and roll, and that's gone. But and, and, dude, if you, think, if you look at it on paper, too, the Nuggets are a pretty scary matchup for – for the Lakers in terms of they can throw AG on LeBron James um, and then they can throw Nikola Jokic in terms of offensively, like who's going to guard him. Like you don't, you can't put AD on him because if he picks up fouls, you're screwed. And if he bangs So he, yeah, he said, they said he was going to miss a good majority of the regular season. Yeah, that's what I, I thought he pulled his, I thought he pulled his hamstrings clean off his leg. I thought he tore it off. Dude, he was, I thought he got shot, but um, yeah, that it'll be nice to have him too. Cause again, when the, the game slows down again, Michael Porter jr. Is amazing, but he, I, and that's interesting. I hope, I think eventually he'll get to the point where he's isoing like right now, it's just straight up. I can shoot over anybody, anybody. It's like KD like, and he's going to continue to expand and, and put the ball on the floor. And that, I mean, you talk about Jamal, Michael Porter jr. And Jokic as a future, like, they will be back in the thick I mean, of they're, they're number one in terms of, in my opinion, future in the West. I can't disagree. I, they're the perfect balance of, like, the talent is young, but, like, they're already winning at almost the highest level. 
And it's not, it's not like the Suns where they're young, but they also have Chris Paul, who's a yeah. huge, huge piece, and he's going to be done in a couple of years. Like, every single huge piece of theirs is, like, 25 no, years it, old. It's a GM's wet dream, bro. I, I actually don't even know. I know most of the GMs. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But let's go to, let's go to the other LA team. Let's go to the Clippers. Because um, I think they're another interesting case, and you know how high I was on them last year. I thought – I thought that, that was the year, um, and it clearly wasn't for a lot of different reasons. Um, but Ty Lue, I will say, I, you know, Tom Thibodeau, Monty Williams, Quinn Snyder, bro, they all deserve it. But I, I think, like, he's fallen under the radar, and he think, I think he's done a really good job of, again, they got the usual injury bullshit from Kawhi. I'm not saying it's not deserved. I'm not saying he's not hurt. They got PG being out for some time. Ibaka's been out for forever. Pat Beverly hasn't played. Beverly's been out for forever. Like, they've missed so many guys, but they've really – you've always got the sense that they get the most out of whatever group that they have playing. And you look at it late – like, they're setting – did you see this? They have eight guys shooting over 40%. Yeah, I did see that. (laughs) That's ridiculous. But Ridiculous. Um. And they're they're seventeen and three in their last twenty. So like, I I for me they just show the signs, and I think Ty Ty Lue was able to just. I don't know necessarily what it is, but they're they're gonna have to figure out how to not go to that ISO. You know the way they got stuck against the the Nuggets, but they've gotten downhill. They've attacked a lot more than they did last year, and I I really think they have a shot. I, it's hard because again the, everyone's missed, but. Zoot, Zoot, would you say Zoot's going to start over Ibaka in the playoffs? If Ibaka's healthy, I don't think so. But Zoot has been I'm freaking going good. I think I, I think not. I think Zoot has been that good. I, I really think, and they've been just talking him up. I think it'd be hard to throw Ibaka back in. Maybe, maybe. Here's the thing: if you're playing the Lakers and 80s playing the five, you can't start Zubac at the five. But that's the. If, if AD's playing the five, I, they have talked about the physicality that he's brought over Ibaka. But I think, the the reason they, I, I think the reason they got Serge Ibaka in a way is to guard Anthony Davis. If, if, if AD's playing the – okay, here's my thing. If AD's playing the four, then, yeah, I can see Ibaka. But if AD's playing the five, I'd rather Zoo, honestly, for me, guard. Wow. Yeah. I think I'm there. I think I'm there. I've seen him be really damp. Tune in. Here's the thing. Do you think, do you think I've tuned into a bunch? He's dang good. But what I'm noticing is they don't close with him a lot of the times. I'd say they're 50, 50 on whether he's closing. They'll close with, with Marcus Morris at the five a lot of the time. No. And and that's fair. And again, just something to monitor, but I, I I really think he's like, they're 17 in their last 20 without Kawhi a lot like they, they haven't been healthy it, it's been good basketball and I wonder too Reggie Jackson bro has been so damn good I think that I, I still think Bev will start um and then you throw in like you saw last year again stats wise no but Rajon Rondo impacted basketball games with his mind last year and, and he's not a starter anymore I get that but he helps you win basketball he does not hurt you in basketball games because of his mind when it matters. And Lou Williams was, he wasn't working. He wasn't working. I don't think Ty Lue liked that he couldn't play defense and there's guys he'd rather have the balls with. So. It just, 
and they don't need him. When you have eight dudes shooting 40% from three, you just don't need him. Like, let Paul George and Kawhi get downhill, and you'll go from there. You don't need Lou doing that. Um, Dude, they'd rather have te- they'd rather have Terrence Mann out there grinding on defense and just been, being a pest. And I do so I I owned him in my thirty team league last year and I cut him right before the season and as soon as I cut him, bro, he was like taking dudes off the dribble like he has a step back in the mid range. He's shooting forty eight percent on corner threes like that and that's what I'm saying. Everything I feel like everything tied Lou in a weird ass season with a lot of guys going down. Feel like everyone he's touched has gotten better and so i like i already thought of them pretty highly last year it's a better team like i know they haven't been healthy but i think they're i think they're up there with i i don't know if they're damn am i gonna do it again i don't know if i'm ready to call them a favorite i got a month but they're up there for me now another huge thing with them too is because the reason I watch a lot of Clippers games is I don't like really like I don't have lead pass. So I watch streams right on my computer. And a lot of the times they just streaming the ads probably pisses me off. So I watch. A, I know. But a lot of times I get the local L.A. Clippers yeah. channel. And okay. so when like the Lakers aren't playing or if it's halftime or something, I always flip onto their channel because I like their commentators and stuff. It's just I don't know. No, I just they, really they like their chemistry. I enjoy when those two are on the call. I yeah, do. it's just it, it's kind of fun. So I watch yeah. a, a lot of those games. And the one thing I've noticed with them is somehow they pull off a win in the most odd situations where they're down 12 with like two minutes left. And then all of a sudden Luke Kennard gets hot or Terrence Manor, these random dudes just I remember start that clicking. a month ago, bro. And, and they just yeah. they win, they just win basketball games. And yeah. it's it, it's a thing that is very important in the playoffs, and it's a thing that a lot of teams, good teams, struggle with. So once you get Kawhi back and, and PG is rolling right now, I told you this, this dude is on a mission. Other than last game, he got in some weird foul trouble. He's been on an absolute You know roll. I so, love PG. The guy so he, is slandered. We don't need to get into that. But PG has been unbelievable this year. And stop letting people – like, I, I have friends who don't, like, follow the NBA that closely – that are like, oh, PG sucks, right? And I'm like, no, like, shit, like, no, he's actually very elite. He's very good. Like, it's just ridiculous to me. But um, now there was one more thing before we move on about the Clippers that I had. What was it? What we were talking about PG winning um, at the end of games. It's it's right there, but it, it's probably going to take me like thirty plus seconds, regardless. The Clippers are up there. For, oh, I got it. I got it. Think about – so you think about the Mavs. The, you know, they're stoked. They move it out of the play-in. Imagine, like, your reward being the Clippers. Like, I'd all, damn near rather just go to the play-in. And, or would you – like, no, let's just go to the Suns Jazz. Because, like we've talked about past years, we kind of have known how this thing is going to go down. And – you almost could have said that this year. Like, there's a path that you told me at the start of the season, we're coming down to the end of it, and it's just the Lakers and the Clippers. I wouldn't have been shocked at all. So you could say that it's kind of a surprise, but I think it's important, and I've heard around the league, like, especially after so many super team run seasons, and there still are super teams, You for sure. I mean, go look at Brooklyn. But it's it's important for the league to have teams like the Suns and Jazz who can show, hopefully we'll see, that they can compete. 
And I'm really excited to see if they can keep the success that they've had in the regular season. Both, both teams at times in the regular season have legitimately looked dominant. And, and I'm excited to see. You can go with whoever you want to start with, Brian. Um, we can start with the Jazz because I think in terms of just like straight playing, the Jazz right now are playing not their best basketball, obviously coming off yeah. Donovan Mitchell coming off injury. But um, I don't know. I just feel like the Suns are, are much scarier teams in the, in the playoffs. I don't know what, what you think. I, I mean, I go back and forth. I go back and forth um, with the Jazz. It's like I, I just think about it from a basketball perspective. I try to take like just thinking they have on the defensive side, they have a perfect rim protector, right? Like if, if someone gets beat at the top of the key and is going downhill, they're going to have to take it most likely just take a mid range shot, which you'll live with, or it's got to be a great angle. So they have that defensive piece. Then on the offensive end, they have legitimately, I would say four guys where if, if they're just creating in a pick and roll situation or ISO situation with Conley Clarkson, uh, I would honestly put Joe Ingles in a pick and roll, not ISO, but pick and roll. Conley Clarkson and Mitchell, like not a lot of teams have four guys that they can go to. And, and then around that, they have four shooters. So generally, I feel like one of those four can do that. They have four shooters. And it's tough for me. It's tough to beat that. And I saw them at their peak, and it could have been too early. But I just – if they play that way – I think they're better than the sun. So I guess maybe the peak is higher, but the consist there's something to be said about how consistent the suns have been. I don't know about you, but at the start of the year, I was like, Chris Paul is a huge rest candidate. Just in like in fantasy perspective, the, I mean, the guy, him and D book early in the year, maybe a little bit, they're playing every game back to backs on the road. Like they don't care. And I think that's got to help. So I think I go jazz, I guess, but I don't feel great about it. And I, and I think if you look at it at, the, at an end of game perspective, because I, I think yeah, a lot of important. a lot of playoff games come down to last shot situations, a, a right. lot of them, like two to three games a series, which is a, a lot. You look at it, I look at the Suns more of an individual at the end. Like it's going to be Chris Paul or Devin Booker going ISO. If you look at the Jazz, I think, a, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is going to be doing some of that, but a lot of it is just they're going to be playing like team set basketball at the end of games. And it's a lot harder per, to predict what they're going to do. And I think that's a positive for them, right? Because you got, <clears throat> other than Gobert, you got four dudes lining up around the perimeter that all are knockdown shooters yeah. and all of them you can trust. I don't know if I trust Cam Johnson yet. I don't really know if I trust Jay Crowder too much in the playoffs. Like you got dudes on the perimeter for Bojan. the Jazz that are 40% Bojan. You, you got Bojan. leading the league in threes. Clarkson, Conley, Georges Niang is going to knock that shit in. Uh, and Royce O'Neal is perfect for what they need too, just as a versatile defender. And again, again. and another, yeah. And, and another thing too is, is Rudy Gobert in the pick and roll is nasty, man. Like he is so hard to defend. Yeah. DeAndre Aiden in the pick and roll is not useless, but it's, it's a lot easier to defend that pick and roll at the end of games. And we've seen it with the Suns. What they do is they throw Chris Paul or, or Devin Booker in an ISO situation and it's dribble and it's a pull-up shot. You know exactly what you're going to get. And they're very, very good at hitting those. But it's, you you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see Chris Paul's dribbling. I'd say, I'd tell my guys, four seconds left, fly at him. Just fly at him with like four seconds left. He's got to throw it and, and it's just going to create a scramble situation. And you can't do that necessarily with a team that 
and again, you like you said, Donovan is going to ISO at times, and there are going to be times. But yeah, it's just a more spread out attack, and it comes from different people. Um, but but the defense, they they've been. I love McCall Bridges, bro. I love McCall. Oh yeah. Um, and and it, the Suns have a really versatile defense too. So we'll see. And, and you could you could definitely say I think it's fair to say Devin Booker and Chris Paul are. I, I would probably rather have them taking the last shot than anyone on the Jazz. Um, but th- that's where it's fun, bro. There's just a million different things that could impact how this thing goes down, and, and we'll see. But Rudy O'Hare, bro, so he knows his role. Like, he knows where he's going to take his shots, and if he's taking a shot, it's probably going in. But where you're saying – okay. And I was just going to say, too, that – when when these teams are, are playing, there's two just entirely different teams, but they get like they just get the job done every time. And that's why when they play, it's so fun because, you know, the Suns are mostly all right. We're going to play defense. It's going to be a low scoring game. Jazz, it's like we're just going to fire away and yeah, we play some different. defense, but we're in some high scoring games. And then when you see these teams go at it, it's just I don't know. It, it's so fun. I just can't. Can you really see them beating a fully healthy Clippers or Lakers say, team in the in the playoffs? Because that's that's, that's where I really struggle with it. Is I I just I don't know if I can see them beating the Lakers, and I don't necessarily know why. I think it's mostly just because of recency bias, and we really haven't seen a non superstar team um, be able to win an NBA championship or go to a conference finals. So yeah, okay, for me. I think, yeah, the, the more, more like I'm not going to sit here and say that the Suns and Jazz have a better shot than either of those teams. Your audio just went super odd. I can't hear you. We're back. So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's likely, but I still think where I think part of where my mind goes, we saw last year the Heat do it. And that was so – maybe some people saw it, but it was random to me. Like, they just – and, and they, I'm not even saying they didn't deserve it. Like, they were playing the basketball that deserved that. But I I still feel – and that was a, a weirder situation. You're literally playing in a bubble. That was super weird. But I still think just the, just the vibe I'm getting from listening to, like, coaches talk, players talk, like I'm listening to Drew Holiday on JJ Reddick's podcast. Like this year has been really weird. Like this has not felt like a normal year at all. They get tested a million times. They can't go out to dinner with people on the road. Like it's it's just like different. And so I think that allows for certain teams that are more locked in. And again, you know, Lakers have LeBron AD. I know they're not, not locked in. But I, I just think it creates a different vibe that allows – teams like the jazz and the Suns, who have been very consistent all year a better shot than it would so i think if we look what lakers probably beat the nuggets clippers i'd say clippers beat i don't care if it's blazers or dallas uh so you're getting are you getting lakers clippers you're getting lakers clippers bro second round you're getting lakers clippers jazz Suns. wow so it would be in the Western Conference Finals, most likely one of those two teams versus one of the LA teams. Yeah, uh, they'll have no, 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 you, no, no, no. You would get you would get Clippers, Suns, Jazz, Lakers. 
you're right because it's what it's one verse four yeah. okay you're right never mind that changes everything then so you're so let's break it down from that perspective so, so the jazz are going to be playing the lakers i think they have a shot i do four of the games are in utah three are in and i think that's huge i honestly do think that's huge i'd assume there's going to integrate more and more fans but I would say that series price as of right now, and again, it's almost impossible because we're a month out before even the playoffs, Bron's not back. I'd put it Lakers again, minus, oh, I don't know, 180, 170. That's kind of where I'm at, where it's like, it's definitely more than 50%, but it's not that much higher. And then with the Suns Clippers, I think I'd make it Clippers like more in the 200s. Again, I'm, I'm probably a little higher on the Clippers just because of how good they've looked every time I've watched them um, and what I think of Kawhi and PG, but that's where I'm at. That's I think I'm the at. books would definitely give the Lakers a bigger advantage, but you know that a lot better than me, so I don't know. No, I, I, feel like, I feel like the books still are kind of on the reasons – or like the they, they just don't like the Clippers for some reason. I don't know whether it's the PG last year slander or what it is. But, I think it's um, – well, yeah, you see it. The Clippers are like plus 700 to win it all. Yeah, I, and I get it. Like you literally saw them last year with their two best players completely choke. So like in their minds, prove it to me, but I, I get it. But, I mean, I, I watched Paul George, and I'm like, okay, if he's playing like that in the playoffs, like, they're going to be pretty fucking good. And I know what I can get from Kawhi. And so it's up to Ty Lue to push those buttons, and I think he can. I think he can. And I, I'd hope you learn from an experience like that. Like, And if I, if I had to put my money on any team with the current odds, it, it would be the Clippers, no doubt about it, for me to win it. Um, to win it all out of the West, at least with those odds at plus seven hundred. Let me go because real quick. The Lakers go. are going to be probably plus two. Here, I'm just going to go to win the West. Okay, guess guess what the Lakers are to win the West. What the books have my book at least. It might not be everywhere, but plus one eighty five. Plus one eighty. Spot on. Okay. Next is the Clippers. Guess what they're at? Plus two seventy five. Two forty. Damn, you're okay. pretty good. Uh, Nuggets they have surprisingly plus 1,000. Um, and then they have guess the Suns or Jazz are next, actually. If you want to guess, plus 425, 400 right there. Okay. Suns probably same plus 550. And did I Whoa. tell you, I have a jet again, long shot, but like. They were ridiculous odds at the start of the season. When they first started hooping, I was like, all right, probably not like going to hit, but like, you never know. They were plus 2,800. I put $28 to win 784. So I'll be, I'll be rooting for them, but it's, yeah, a lot's going to have to go right. And again, we, I mean, we've talked about it in the past. One injury changes the complexion of everything on any team. Like if one of like, you could pick from 12, 13 different guys gets hurt. It changes everything. And uh, that's why this is so great, bro, because we really don't have any idea. Um, Dude, the injuries, too, as of late, have just been – I don't know if you saw the, the yeah. Devin Kennedy injury. That was the one of the gnarliest injuries yeah. I think I've ever watched in and terms of on-court. just picking up, getting his first looks as an NBA hooper. It's, so, it's brutal to see something like that. I mean, dude, do you see the blood on the court? He literally broke his ankle. There was blood on the court. Like it was worse than Weidman? 
no it wasn't that bad because you didn't see it like that because he had like a sock on and yeah. stuff but you know, was, I saw the actual injury. I didn't know there was fucking like not a ton, but there was like little because you saw it. It was a yeah. compound fracture. It came out. Of, it was just oh, yeah. Oh, I don't like that, bro. Um, all right, before we go, let's talk a little playing. I know we already talked about some Warriors, but right now we got the Dubs at ten, Spurs nine, eight Grizz, seven Blazers. Any of those four teams? Do you, can you envision any of those four teams making any noise? And if so, who? So, are you talking about Blazers, Grizzlies, Spurs, Warriors? Yeah. Okay. See, this is so tough because immediately I rule out the Grizzlies and the Spurs. I don't know about you, but yeah, I mean, Grizzlies have been playing. Uh, the Grizzlies have been playing inspired basketball. I, I, but they have they have zero playoff experience. That's the only reason I just immediately year, rule them out. No, yeah, I, I get you. I get you. I, I just want to make sure that people under like. Watching a Grizzlies games lately has been very entertaining. Like, I've had a fun time. But, yeah, Spurs out. They have a terrible schedule, too. Um, okay, and so that leaves us with the Blazers and the Warriors. And that- and I love the Grizzlies. I love their future. I, I love watching yeah. them play. No doubt about it. But I just don't think they can compete in, 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 a, in a playoff series. I mean, they like- most likely be getting Suns. Yeah, maybe they would, get a Would game. I be surprised if they won, won like, a playing game? No, but – I couldn't see them competing where I could see the Mavs legitimately taking a team to six games. I could see the the Blazers taking a team to six or seven games just because of Damian Lillard and, and their playoff experience and all yeah. the dudes that they have. And I think their roster is built very well and they've been just awful as of late. And I think we were bound to see this happen. They're the only team in NBA history to be 10 games over one or over 500 at one point and have a n- negative um, plus minus in terms of point differential. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's really been weird, right? Because that's such an interesting case is the Blazers where, like, I I think I was a little lower than most coming into the year, and then they looked really good. And then as soon as they basically everyone came back, they started being bad. And I really do think I've watched – have you watched Dane lately? He's literally awful. Dane. He's literally Dane. Like, this is not him. Um, And so when he's not himself, the Blazers are going to struggle, and that's where they're at. And even CJ, dude, CJ was hooping at the start of the year. I'm talking, talking like his career. No doubt, no doubt all star. I owned him like, in fantasy. Yep, so did I. And <laughs> you just ever since he came back from that injury, I don't know if it's it's the chemistry part of it, but everyone just looks I don't even think sluggish is the way they just look bad. And yeah, there's no rhythm. There's no rhythm. There's there's no really identity with that Stoss team. Like bad, bro, in, in Portland. So, yeah. I mean, just coming off that, that's why, like, for me, it's the Mavs. I can see the Mavs, if you have a healthy Kristaps Porzingis in a playoff series, alongside of Luka Doncic, I really like their bench, like I've said before. I think they could compete with um, – I guess we're not talking about the Mavs because they're not in the playoff game, but – or in the, or in the play-in No, series, but they're but, they're within that range. Like, yeah. Yeah, they're – and they could easily fall in um, to a – because the Blazers are 33-28. and 28, I guess yeah. they just wanted – they lost it – or they won today and the Mavs won, so they have a similar record. But that's you can see I'm one of those teams falling into the play, play And in that game. circles back, bro. Would you rather play the Clippers and be six or just be seven and play the Suns? I, I really do – for me, I'd rather just – all right, I'd rather be seven, honestly, and just go to Phoenix. But yeah. that could be me. Like, again, the Suns have showed – no weaknesses this year. Like it's not really their fault. It's just 
I'm a little but bit. This more goes. That- this goes back to what I was saying last year, though. That if we play the Clippers, it is seven home games. It just is. It, it's seven straight home games. If yeah. we play a seven game series, so I don't know if you want that. We talked about you know, the last the, year, yeah. I don't know if you want them the first round or if you want to go on the road and play a true road games against the Suns. What's the fan situation at Staples right now? Um, you're. I think we. So we just we just opened back up and I think we have two thousand fans. Yeah, but they're ramping it up more and more. Yeah, they'll get there, and they're gonna get there. And I don't know, man. It's just like I just I can't see the Clippers beating us if we have home court advantage for seven games, that's the, that's with a healthy LeBron James, it's going to be really, really tough. And I know they've been really good, but that's just the weirdest X factor that I've ever seen in an NBA series. And we didn't get to see it last year, but yeah, literally a team is going to be on the road on their home court. Yeah. I like, and it's a better than 50% chance. Like if the Clippers take care of the Mavs, they will have seven games against the Lakers. Obviously if the Lakers take care of business, and uh yeah that's i mean i wonder at least at least the the one thing is like part of the road you know the tough part of being on the road is traveling somewhere else like all that shit at least you're in your own bed i wonder how much like that that actually does mentally affect you just in terms of people yelling against you i guess but when the 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 yeah, funny part that I didn't even think about is the Clippers are going to be sleeping in their own bed for seven exactly. games too. Exactly. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. I think that'll honestly that'll be cool. It'll just it'll literally you'll see it everywhere at the Battle of LA, and I will definitely be tuned in to watch that. I'm excited, bro. And so I think just for that factor alone, I think you go. I think for me, it's slightly the Lakers, but not by much. And then Clippers, for me, Jazz. Suns, but again, not really because it's their fault. They're just some really damn good teams. Um, and then I honestly put the Nuggets even still above Dallas uh, just because of Nikola Jokic. And then 100% from there, Dallas. And then it's just really maybe Blazers. Um, and we'll see. I am very excited. I, I can't wait to watch Steph in a uh, in a playing game setting. I think that'll be really, really fun for me. But if it's anything like a night like tonight, that would just be depressing. Do you think they could win two games in a first round matchup if they win the playing game? I mean, you're, you're looking at it. The best they could be is eight. So they would play the Jazz. Can I? Do I think they could win two games against the Jazz? I, I saw them. We actually played them full strength off a loss at home and we beat them like wire to wire earlier this year. So that gives me some confidence. Obviously, much different setting, you know. But the, the Jazz were off a loss and they came fully healthy. I think we get, I think we could, but I'd set the line at one and a half. Like that's where it is. Ah, uh, you can make the arguments one. But yeah, I was gonna say I dude, I don't even know if they could win one because I think, dude, I love Quinn Snyder as a coach. I literally think he's gonna double Steph every time. And we're gonna see the same thing where we have these dudes that are horrible playmakers trying to do stuff in the playoffs on an even bigger stage. I just cannot see the Warriors because I think Steph Curry is just going to get shut down. There's no one there. The The only thing that I would say is I've seen him, and that's what I think has been so impressive to me. Again, if you trap high trap at literally half court, 
sure, he's fucked. But but I've seen him shoot the ball in so many situations this year from a very high clip that don't really make sense. Like he shouldn't take, and it's not just ISO couple dribbles, like catching it in certain spots that no one thinks to shoot and he's covered and he's still making these and getting into rhythm. So we, that, I mean, that would have to be the prayer that either he's in one of those modes or when they are trapping and Draymond's getting downhill four, three, four and three, Wiggins and Ubre and Kent can make some open shots. But that honestly, it, if you have a smart defensive coach and are very locked in, there's definitely a, a clear path with the way the Warriors are constructed to taking stuff out. And it's just going to be able to come down to, to executing that, which is like you said. Does Bazemore start at the three in a, in a playoff series? I know it's kind of random, but I do. They just been starting him, and it's the weirdest thing to me so, just putting Kelly Oubre to the bench. That's a great. That's a great question. I really do think so. With you see, I I still think I think as we you know move forward and more and more forward, like the starting thing is such an overrated thing in my mind. Um, and you saw it early in the year with that starting group, even though Ubre is more talented and better than Kent, we don't necessarily like we don't necessarily need that. We are at our best when Steph's taking the most shots, and then we just need a little something extra. And Kelly comes in and is is just honestly at times, and it's not really his fault, it's how he's always played. He's just you, and I understand you have to be aggressive, but if he sees a look, he's gonna take it. And it just makes way more sense to have him do that with a bench unit where it's, it's okay. Like that's not as bad of a shot with this unit than with Steph when you have Steph and Kent understands that. And Looney understands that the way away in a way Wiseman didn't understand either. And that's why we've, he's gone on this run and why we've gone on this run. And again, it's frustrating why I, then I see nights like tonight where it's like, let's run this equal opportunity offense with guys who don't really understand what's a good and bad shot with who's on the floor. And again, Draymond, like you said, Draymond and Juan and Kavan are the only guys with above average basketball IQ. And you could see that the other game, the other guys, it's just moving too fast. They can't decide between two things in a split decision. It has to be one or the other. And it's just, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. How about last thing? Do you want to go over just kind of in the West who you your top couple teams in terms of future um, for the next, I don't know, five to seven years? I like that. Um, I mean, like you said, the Nuggets, we talked about them a lot. And it's the perfect mix of the talent being young, but that young talent already being at a super high standard where you look over in New Orleans, insane amount of talent, but you just when you hear Van Gundy talk about him or people talk about him, it's like, it's just so clear how young they are. Like it is, it's a skill to learn how to win basketball games and they haven't necessarily found that. But I still think with the baseline of talent with Zion and like, dude, if, if Brandon Ingram has a coach who understands what he does best and how to get him there, he's a 50, 40, 90 guy. I'm telling you, he'll be, he'll get a 50, 40, 90 pretty, pretty damn soon. Um, and then you he's almost there of, now. No, exactly. And, and you, we don't even need to talk about Zion. So I love theirs. They're the first one that comes to mind. Is there anyone else? Is Who's your two? I, I would put the Mavs at two. Okay. That's also fair. I forgot about the Mavs. 
just because of Luca and Kristaps. And then Kristaps, the health, if there was no health question mark with Kristaps, I think they're the clear cut two for me. Yeah. Um, and then I had, I had, dude, I had the Suns three over. I have the Suns three over New Orleans at, and I have New Orleans four. Aiden, Book, and McCall as like Book, McCall, Aiden, Cam. Um, Cam. Yeah. I, yeah. It's hard to argue with that, bro. I just, I think I'm just enamored with this because I love Monty too. And I think coaching has a lot to do with a young core. And I just don't know if the future in new Orleans is with um, Van Gundy. I don't know what you think about that, but I would be surprised if it is, I think it's not this year. And I think they have their core players and their core coach all set right now. Um, And I think that's really important for a future. Like let's say, Van Gundy lasts another year and then bam, they fire him and you got to bring a new coach, new system. There's a whole nother year to kind of get used to that system and that coach. And it's kind of a, it's not a restart, but it is, it is an adjustment period. It is. And I think that David Griffin, I I really think that should be a priority right now is uh, new Orleans is also in a weird spot where like, it's weird. Like you go to, you go to talk about all those teams like Denver, Phoenix, Dallas, like, there's no real question about the future in terms of them being there. Like I have not gotten the vibe that Brandon Ingram enjoys new Orleans. He's not repping the Pelicans. Zion Williamson was literally glowing talking about the Knicks. So like, I think that's another aspect too, that I think has to scare you as a Pelicans fan is like, I mean, you see it with Zoe too. Like they're going to show up and like, they're not going to quit on the franchise while they're playing, but like, I don't get the vibe that either of those three are really that happy in that city. And dude, with Zoe too, I know you and me are probably a lot higher than most people on him, but they were about to trade the guy. And for me, like that's not an untouchable asset, but I am not even uh, really thinking about trading him. Like, I think he's such yeah. a perfect fit alongside pay, of those I two guys. Pay him what he needs to be paid. Like, and, and again, you look at him now, like he's still tw- what 23 like 24, like there's still a lot of Zoe left untapped. And it's, it's weird. They've done a good job. Again, you just see like they've done a good job in, in receiving requisite assets for these big pieces like Drew and AD, but there's a whole nother part of the job that comes with, you know, developing these guys. And you, you see Phoenix, they're building something like it is something that they're building. I don't get the sense that they're, building anything in new orleans and it's just even in memphis i think they're building something with taylor jenkins taylor jenkins such a good coach like i'm telling you i watched those two games in in portland and i know dame's not playing great but like dude it it, they were just it, it was so clear they were just so much hungrier and playing so much harder it like it wasn't even a debate every loose ball was theirs and it it was like the whole game. And, and so Taylor Jenkins deserves a ton of credit there. Um, I want to talk about Luca real quick before we sign off. I've watched a lot of Mavs this year because my 30 team league, I have Chris stops. And so I, and I already love Chris stops. So I'm watching, I've watched almost every Mavs game. And where are you? Like, I, I think we saw last year. Okay. The Mavs at Luca is a second year guy, almost pushed the Clippers. Uh, I like the Clippers were going to win that, but like, it wasn't an easy series. And this year, I just feel like every time I see him in clutch, 
he's trying to do too much. He's, he's always either mad at the refs or he's launching these shots or trying to get these calls. And I just kind of want him to hoop. It's been a little fr- frustrating for me watching someone with that much talent and the kind of the way he's gone about playing basketball lately. And I feel like no one's really talked about it. And I'm not saying he's not a super, he's a megastar. He's going to be great. He'll probably win titles. It's just the way he's playing right now is just, it. it I don't know. I haven't. It's really anno- it's it. annoying. I That's what I it. like. I've literally said it to my friend. It's honestly annoying watching him play because he's so good, <laughs> but he just every single play he yells at the rest. I'm talking every single play and, he goes down and there and he so makes a basket. So he's gonna get contact every time, and it's the same story the whole game, dude. It's it's yeah, every time, bro. And he's a good passer, but I've been noticing. Um, just in the last probably like 10 games, he just hasn't really been distributing the ball as much as I've used to. Like, like he had a lot of stretches at the beginning of the year or even last year where he was dishing out 15 assists, some huge assist game and looked really good passing the ball. And now I think he's just falling too much on his scoring and, and not enough yeah. on his playmaking, but he's still so, so young. And, and I really like their bench. Like I said, I really like the guys they've surrounded him with. I think Dorian Finney-Smith is super underrated. I really like what he's been doing. Adam um, too. He's been so damn good. So damn good. Talk about no you got to do Josh Richardson too, bro. That's a yeah. huge pickup for them. Like yeah, low key, b- big pickup. Um, yeah. But would you rather have Luka Doncic or, or um, Nikola Jokic for the next 10 years, let's say? Dude, I think it might be the unpopular opinion, but I, I honestly would rather have you. So would I. And I think if you ask that question probably 10 games into the year or maybe even at the end of last season, I think the majority of people would take Luka Doncic. I might have even gone Luka, yeah. But I think it's clear, at the, especially at this point, and I know Luka has much more to go. So does Yoke, honestly. But I, and, I'd and- rather have Yoke. On my team. And if you take it from like a branding perspective, Luca, way, way, way bigger upside, all that kind of yeah. stuff, superstars potential. But if you just look at it from a winning basketball games and, and winning, not necessarily championships, but having like a, a winning franchise for a long time, I just think Nikola Jokic right now is like the number one guy that I would want in the entire league. And I think Joel is up there too, but the injuries are bad. But Nikola Jokic right now just has the best impact on winning in the league. And I think it's, it's even not far and away above Luca, but it is significantly higher than Luca at this point. Yeah. I, I, and we'll close like be on that because I agree. I'm in full agreement and it's funny how, I don't know. I, th- again, I think winning has a lot to do with it and should have a lot to do with it, but like Jokic is doing what Giannis did two years ago and last year, just in terms of sheer dominance and I just I don't know why like I know he's a clear favorite but like he's the MVP like he really is the MVP based off of what he's done this year and I still don't think he's been I know Giannis has had the the playoff issues but I still feel like Giannis like people are like he's the best player he's the best player like and you don't necessarily hear that as much with Jokic and I think it's the style of play but I would rather have him over Giannis like as crazy as that is this uh yeah I would I would I would, I would for I would. sure and the thing too I think with Jokic too that we've seen is the reason he's most like you lose a guy like Jamal Murray who's 
uber talented scoring the basketball huge part of that team and you really haven't seen it affect that team too much like Nikola Jokic is just so dominant and just like the ball goes through him so much that even without Jamal Murray you can kind of just fill someone else in like a PJ Dozier who doesn't even score the basketball but can just play defense and they still look not as good but pretty dang close yeah like you put four average offensive players on yoke it's going to be a good offense and that's incredible honestly to say that but that's just when you have a guy who can sit top of the key and see the whole he just sees it all in front of him and you can't do anything because he's too tall and he's a basketball he's just a has a beautiful basketball mind and I, I, it's been amazing to see. And I, I can't wait to watch him against the Lakers, bro. I really can't. I mean, that's another thing is, like, you look at every, all of these series on paper that we just talked about, you're going to get, like, some good, fun series. Like, where at least it's not, like, past yeah. years where it's like, all right, they're playing them. That's four and out. Like, I don't even want to watch that. Like, I'm excited to see the Grizzlies if they get an eight seed. I'm excited to compete against the Jazz. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know, bro. And we're a month out. We're a month out. Anyways, bro, thank you for joining me. Uh, We will get the East done later this week, and uh, we'll be rolling with them throughout the rest of the year. Thanks for, for coming, bro. Peace.